podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your second of your free shows throughout the week. I'm Cammy Bell. Welcome along. This is uh, at the end of our week podcast where we look back at uh, our European games and also what we've got coming up across the weekend. Um, and I'm joined by a very special guest uh, who probably is sick of taking a busman's holiday talking about football finances when it's his, uh, his work as well. And that's the ever sexy, ever wonderful Mr Andrew McGowan. Andy, how are you my friend? I'm great, Cammy. I'm great. That's uh, three podcasts in a week. This is uh, overtime for me, I've got to be honest. I was going to say, yeah, you've been involved in a, a few of our daily updates on our Patreon site as well. Uh, we'll come back onto that in a little bit. But uh, I just a regular podcaster now, eh? That's you kind of getting really getting into it. Aye, aye. I'm Mr. Colin McMillan. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Colin will take that as a massive compliment as well. Well, listen, um, your working schedule to one side, Andy. We're here to talk about the Rangers, which um, you know you're an even more uh, technical expert on as well. Um, we uh, we are fresh off of uh, another exciting draw with Benfica, um, and uh, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit around your thoughts in the game. How did you see it kind of progressing? If you've been through a bit of that kind of emotional roller coaster like I have, of everything shit, then it's brilliant, then it's shit again, or whatever, uh, and just uh, and just as to how we've kind of reflected on it. So um, obviously this was uh, after the, the international break, our first European um, fixture, uh, and uh, coming back from Lisbon, Andy, with a three-all draw, um, snatching a draw from the the, the jaws of a win, uh, we set out, I think, with a fairly, you know, probably a fairly um, Productive team, I think you could probably call it, and we would certainly see that from some of the work rate. Um, but Rangers lined up with Al McGregor in goal, um, about four of, of Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun and Barisic. Liam Balogun obviously replacing Philip Hellander from the, the first leg in, in, in Portugal. A midfield three, uh, Scott Arfield, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara. Forward three of um, Kamar Roof, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent. Andy, when you saw that lineup, pretty much... I think, at least in terms of what we could we could expect, Joe Aribo uh, was uh, a miss because of uh, a small virus that he's picked up. It's non-COVID related, thankfully. However, um, a, a strong lineup, and I think you know we were coming at it with uh, with all intent of really taking the game to Benfica and getting what, to me at least, felt like a win that we should have got across there. Aye, the team is. Uh, we've been very, very lucky this season, and that we've not been, not had major disruption to the the squad. Never mind the team. So you know that there's a fair uh, amount of players that you can you can rely on are going to be there. It's just a case of a couple of positions in the midfield usually that, that you wonder who will play. And with Jack being out and with Arebo being out, you could have knew that it would have been that that three of Arfield, Davis, and Kamara. So. I, I like the fact that Roof is now kind of cementing himself in the team, but I've always pictured him in that position he's playing, which is not as a central striker, but being able to float across the, the whole park. So when I seen that team last night, um, I was hopeful, and I probably wasn't as hopeful as you, because I, I think um, I've been really realistic in terms of what Benfica are and what they should be doing, and despite their injuries and numbers of players missing, I've always thought that they were... Uh, 
at least on paper, a far superior team to us. So I always thought it would be a tall order to get points from a tall in any fashion, never mind beating them. But, you know, we, we had our tails up and we've got confidence in Europe for a, a, re, a real reason. There's a body of evidence now that gives you that. So I went in there last night thinking, look, it's a, a kind of a free hack. I, mean, I had no nerves. I've had no nerves in Europe this year because if it doesn't happen for us, then it doesn't happen. And if you get something and it's just a major, major bonus and confidence rises for it. So I've enjoyed these Europa League games for that reason alone because there's, there's just been no as much intensity and pressure. Uh, and, I, and then you're watching the telly as well, which kind of reduces the intensity and pressure because you're not on the ground and you're not feeling it and the, and the, the stands aren't bouncing. So it's a different proposition. I think one other thing that it lends itself to as well is a, a, a sense of freedom. Um, because the team are not going to sit in that you're playing against mm-hmm. predominantly. They're not going to sit in. They're not going to try and camp out in the 18-yard 18, 18 box. So there's a there's an element to it where you get more time and space than you'd be used to, and not as much of the ball. However, um, we'll come on to the, the work rate and ball recovery in just a second. I think as I kind of watched the kind of opening phase um, last night, and one thing that really struck me was not only was there a team out there that had enough talent to be able to try and compete, but some of our movement, some of our one-touch passing, some of our, our control and use of the ball, I thought was up there with some of the best I've seen under this manager. Yeah, I thought in Portugal as well, I thought that the, the three each game, uh, despite the fact they're down to 10 men, which obviously gives you an advantage, but I thought some of the fact that we played over there was, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, it was as good as I've seen a Rangers team play, and last night there was there was flashes of it, uh, I thought we didn't quite get uh, as much control as we did um, in Lisbon and uh, you know when we scored I kind of thought that was against the run of play but by the same token that was the way we were playing it was a, not, not quite rope-a-dope but you were giving up possession to a possession based team so to score against them wasn't totally unexpected but by the same token and it sounds contradictory but by the same token they were the better team so uh, I, I was pleasantly delighted to see that goal go in so early as well but I thought to myself this isn't going to be easy and I thought we were going to need two or three to win the game Well that goal did come uh, not as early as Benfica happened to, to, to score against us across in Lisbon right enough it was uh, six minutes uh, into the game where a wonderful ball um, from a period of play which came in from Ryan Kent I do want to talk about Ryan Kent in just a minute Kent comes in from the right-hand side, looks to be able to try and drive in a cross. Nothing much comes of it. Barisic looks to put in a cross. It's deflected, comes back out uh, to Barisic again, who plays a lovely one-two with Alfredo Morelos. Alfredo plays it in just a, a beautiful uh, paced ball where Borna can get his left foot on it. He wraps it uh, so that it beats the, 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 the marker closest to him. Kamal Roof meets it pretty, pretty square on, I think. A wonderful save from the keeper who will feel... <laughs> really, really disappointed about what's going to happen next. The ball is put almost directly straight up in the air. James Tavernier, with a wonderful standing leap, gets his head onto it, comes off the crossbar, and as Tav is standing there with his head in his hands, wondering how he's missed it, the ball thankfully falls to Scott Arfield. Um, Andy, you're a footballer, so you'll, you'll appreciate this when I say it. A really good technique by Arfield, because the ball and the way how it's positioned to him is coming slightly behind him. So he has to be able to try and just swivel the hips slightly just so he can get a little bit more purchase on it. Um, but he hits it low and hard into the ground. Rangers are 1-0 up, six and a half minutes. Um, 
if we felt disappointed uh, at, at losing the you know the injury time equaliser across in Lisbon, now it kind of felt as if we've got the bit between our teeth. And I think it was just a wonderful goal. And the fact that we've talked about this before, it goes from a fullback to and you know the other fullbacks in the box. Um, but great pressing by Scott Arfield to make sure that he was in the box to be able to try and support uh, support the attack at that point. And and he's really in his purple patch at the moment as well, Scott Arfield. I think. Uh, no, Arfield's been playing excellent, absolutely fantastic. Um, a player that I'd, I wouldn't say I'd written him off, but I suspected that this would have been his swan song season and he would have been playing a lesser part. And he's completely proven me wrong because every, every performance he's put in has been absolutely superb. So he, the goal itself, as you say, Cammy, uh, he made it look quite easy because technically it was a very difficult finish and um, it was executed fantastically. I like him in midfield because he gives you a wee bit more in terms of potency in the final third than Kamara or Davis or Jack. And that's why I like him in, in any three across the midfield because he just gives you a wee bit extra, an extra goal threat, is, is the way I would put it. And you talk about Barisic, you talk about Tavernier being in the box, you talk about Roof. What I like about this Rangers team is that we've got... Uh, we can come alive in a final third now. How many times have you seen good Rangers teams that just don't quite cut it in the final third? But when we get to the final third now, whether it's from the right, from the left, through the middle, there's um, there's a bit of a attacking threat that, that matters. It's not just talking balls into the box. It's it's attacking with purpose. And that was an example of it. Um, the, the, the full-backs in the box feature is becoming... Our trademark, and it's easy to take it for granted, but it really is something else because we're doing it at the highest level now. We're doing it Europa League, and that tells you a fully functioning team because for that to happen, somebody else in the team, somebody else has got to have the brains or the diligence to make sure that there's cover and positional the rest of the teams uh, set up correctly. So that that kind of thing does just happen to turn the, the fullbacks get in the box. There's there's all sorts of kind of machinations in the formation to make that happen effectively against a team like Benfica. So Brilliant to get in front at that stage of the game because we kind of done it the hard way in, in, in Lisbon. And I think without the red card, I've got to be honest, I don't think we would have came through that game because the first 10, 15 minutes before Otim Endic sent off, I thought Benfica looked very slick, very sharp, and I think we would have had problems at 11 v 11. Um, so to get ahead, I thought it was brilliant. I thought, your beauty, here we go. We've got a chance to consolidate. And, and we, one thing we do know about our team now is that we're very hard to break down against anybody. So defending the lead was was exactly where you wanted to be after 10 minutes. Um, but I had a sneaky feeling that, as I say earlier on, one, we weren't going to be able to cover a one-goal lead for, for 90 minutes against this team. They were just... We thought... Kind of troubling McGregor, and without giving us too much threat, they were just too much in control of the ball, if you know what I mean. So you can't get up that much possession for that amount of time, and no gave you one or two um, good chances. Um, they reminded me of Braga in the first half at Ibrox last season because I, I thought we got a wee bit of chase in that first half. Then that was the same kind of uh, experience. A team that uses a whole of the pitch all very comfortable and they have a wee bit of quality or extra quality than the likes of the, the boy Silva. I thought he was really, really good. Um, so brilliant to get in that position, but I'm still wary. Well, the the industrious side of the team was certainly going to continue to come out across the uh, 
the, the next kind of phase of the game, Andy, we've, we've taken that kind of early lead. Uh, we've worked a, a wonderful opportunity to be able to try and make that happen for us. Um, and I think at this stage, there was some frustration from Benfica, but uh, a couple of fairly tasty challenges started to kind of get put in as well. However, what I will say is that uh, that's, it kind of echoes what you kind of mentioned there about Braga. I kind of thought as we were talking about it, it reminded me a little bit around... Um, Porto and just very simply the way that they were able to ping the ball about just to control it. We knew that we would have to be able to try and hunt and 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 close down and press in numbers. Um we were quite fortunate with a couple of kind of chances that kind of came our way that that well sorry came the way of Benfica that they weren't able to try and, and convert them. And Silva, as you mentioned, they probably had Benfica's best opportunity the first half. Uh we're just about a minute before um the halftime whistle. Uh, with a wonderful touch, I mean, so deaf with Liam Balligan marking him. He just simply moves his, his way around Balligan, creates a little bit of space, and Balligan puts in a formidable recovery tackle um, to, to concede the corner, but keep it away from Alan McGregor. Mm-hmm. I really did think at this point as well, for me, that that shows that we're certainly, you know, not cut and dried, as you say. Another goal certainly needs to come into the game for us to be able to try and get a little bit more self-assured. Um an interesting change by the manager, I think, that obviously Philip Hillander did not cover himself in glory uh, across in, in Lisbon. But Balogun showing that he's just a capable of his replacement, and I thought that was a superb tackle. And, and um, it shows the quality you're playing against. Silva is legitimately world-class. Aye, the Balogun block tackle was absolutely superb, top drawer. And Balogun's impressed me. I mean, he's, I think he's impressed everybody since he came in because he was a wee bit of an unknown quantity unless you watch the kind of championship in any great detail. And uh, at 32, you're wondering what a kind of player he is. I think he's 32, I may be wrong, but he, he's got pace and he can use the ball well. And he, again, he's another player that complements Goldson. Or maybe we should be starting to say to the camera that Goldson, Goldson just complements any player that plays beside him because <laughs> he's, he's the kind of common denominator. But um, it's a huge vote of confidence for Balogun to get picked in this game and Hellander's fit, or presumably fit, because I rate Hellander. I think he's top class as well. But you get a wee bit difference from Balogun in terms of use of the ball. Um, he's just a wee bit better at coming out. He's a wee bit better at his passing. Um, I think Hellander, if we're being honest, is probably a greater defender with my backs to the wall kind of style. But, um, so we got away with win at that point because if... Silva had put that away, I think we would have went in fairly deflated at half-time, so it was a fantastic tackle. Um, I think it got a lot of credit at the TV at the time, but it was absolutely rightly so, because uh, he could have easily done him with that touch, but to recover and to go to the ground in the box was, was, and no give away any penalty was fantastic, so credit to Balogun for that. It was as good as a goal. It was, it absolutely was, and um... Somewhat ironically, speaking of uh, not giving away a penalty, the Rangers came out for the second half, and again, I think it, it opened up pretty much towards the tail end of the first half in, in terms of the, the kind of style of play that was happening from both teams. Benfica were coming out. However, Rangers were then able to create another opportunity. As Kamar Roof comes down the right-hand wing, this is just on the hour mark. As he's coming down the right-hand side, he's looking to be able to try and put a cross in to, I think it was Ryan Kent towards the back post. Uh, and uh, Jan Vertonghen puts up his hands across his face. Um, it's a clear handball. Now, Andy, you and I both know that, you know, UEFA are really struggling for money. 
Um, I think they've only got something like three and a half billion pounds in the bank. Uh, so, you know, we can't afford uh, VAR uh, at this stage in the competition. Um, somewhat ironic, I think, because this is almost a carbon copy of the penalty that we conceded when George Edmondson um, mm. did the same thing in the, in the competition last season. I, I don't agree that it's a penalty in the you know, normal run of the game, but the rules obviously state that it's a penalty. And if we had VAR, I'm hoping that you would believe that that probably would have been given for us. And I think, you know, when we could all have a laugh and a joke about the whole penalty to Rangers things, but it's frustrating when um, you're you're kind of cheated out of it a little bit just because of the fact that the, the review system isn't at this stage in the competition. Whereas if we'd played this, you know, in the latter stages, it would have been there and it would have been given, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree, Cam. I don't think there's any reason not to have VAR at these games because they're all televised to the nth degree. How much harder would it be to have a couple of officials um, in, in a van somewhere or in a central location? So um, it was a penalty. Um, I, I can't really think why it wasn't given. The only reason I can think that it wasn't given is because from the linesman and the referee's angles, they didn't think it was outside the silhouette of the body. That's the only reason I can give, but as the replay showed, he, he was kind of side on to it. So if it's outside the silhouette of his side on body, does that count? And it's <laughs> it's, this, it's this kind of ridiculous rule we've got now where um, it's just added chaos because with the best will in the world, you cannot legislate for it. Whereas you can kind of legislate for deliberate handballs because you just don't do it. You don't raise your hand up when you're jumping for the ball, such things like that. But at the pace of game as it's played, fired at you for any kind of close distance, it's now on impossible to get your, your hand out the road and it's now on impossible to kind of counter your body's instinctive reaction to protect your face or whatever. So it was a penalty. Very, very um, unlucky for us not to get it. And I think if, it, if VAR was there, you're right, Cammy, it would have been given. But um, Dems of Breaks is there. I don't think we've had any luck with VAR at all yet or, or non-VAR decisions like the Cup final last year, that. And then when we do get it, we get a penalty against us. Yeah, very true. It's uh, yeah, somewhat frustrating. However, it didn't um, it didn't impact us too much because uh, it's a sequence of play, Andy. I'd like to go through with you a little bit because I think that in the last twenty four hours, I have read and heard a lot about how hard we worked last night, and I completely agree with that. I think that we absolutely ran our tails off. We worked our socks off. Whatever other you know cliches you want to fire in there, covering every blade of grass in the park, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, um, on 67 minutes, Glenn Kamara picks up the ball and he plays it across to Ryan Kent, who, in a first-time volley, fires it about 40 yards back towards Borna Barisic. Barisic collects it. I think the ball came down with snow on it. And as he then chases it forward and then comes another 10 yards forward with the ball, he plays into Glenn Kamara. A wonderful backheel move, keeps the ball alive. Borna then is able to come back in and as he sees Kamara Roof, just get the ball out from under his feet, takes a couple of touches, and then from about 25 yards out, hits a absolute cracker right in the, in the top corner. Um, I mean, scoring goals in his own half, now obviously becoming the thing for Kamar Roof, but what a goal it was, and what a piece of build-up play. And as well as working hard, I think that you're talking about a Rangers team that's got some real, real talent and skill in it. What a goal this was, Andy. And Kamar Rufi just doesn't do tap-ins, does he? 
No, I mean, there's a couple of things, a lot of things here, Cammy. The, the first about the work rate I'll pick up on because we, we've obviously taken a lot of plaudits and the Rangers fans have been extremely satisfied with what they've seen this year in terms of football, in terms of goals scored and, and just the, the pure attractiveness of what we're watching. And I don't think it's been unnoticed, but it kind of has been taken for granted now because it's happened in nearly every, well, it has happened in every single game we've played. The the tactical discipline, first of all, is there, right? So they're super well drilled. Every player knows what they're doing, where they're meant to be, what their teammates are doing, and that goes for all personnel. So it's not just the first 11, I'm talking about the squad. Everybody knows what they're doing when they're in that park. It's then complemented with the fact that our team are as fit as fuck. For the first time in years, we have zero question marks over fitness. Um, and, and that's... Uh, absolutely fundamental to this team because if you're no fit in this team, you're not going to last in it. And it's then allowed us to kind of recover the ball so fast and so aggressively and so effectively that teams are totally smothered. I'm talking to domestically here. They hardly win the ball back until we've got it back off them because we're hunting packs. We're positioning and discipline as a sailor on is so effective that you've got three, four run about you before you know it. And then we've recovered the ball, but we're recovering the ball so far up the park that it turns into another attack. And that goal yesterday, there wasn't quite that because, as you say, it started way, way deeper. But it kind of takes you back to what I said earlier on about us coming alive. When we get the chance to attack, particularly with Barisic, particularly with Tavernier, the team just knows where to go. And that's front three thing that we've got going on just now. It's just changed the dynamics of your team completely because... You have usually got a front three, which last night was Kent, Morales and uh, Roof. And if you jump back even a year, certainly we jump back two years, you've kind of got a rigid front two or three who don't... I mean, Morales would be generally central. You'd have a general wide guy and a general wide guy on the, the right-hand side. Whereas now, these players have got a, a, a kind of measured licence to go where they need to go but interacting with each other. So what I mean by that is if, if, if Roof goes out left, then Kent comes central. If Roof goes deep, then Kent's at the spearhead. All this kind of stuff is happening, and maybe we don't get to see it so much on a TV screen as opposed to being at the game. But that goal yesterday was was textbook, that kind of thing, because the break and the, the movement ahead of him was fantastic, but it counts for nothing if you've not got the quality. And what Kemar Roof has done, because... Let's be honest, I, I, I watched him when he was at Leeds and I thought he was fucking dynamite. I loved watching Leeds at that point in time because they were so exciting. And he was a guy that, that kind of epitomised it. He was wee, he was sharp, he was dynamic. He was a killer in front of goal. That's the phrase I would use to him. I would use when he comes to mind as a, he's a killer. And that was a killer because we talked about uh, Arfield's technique. If you see the still pictures of that goal for last night, you see his body shape. And that's came for, for practice the super technique, the confidence they'd hate in the first place. And then he runs away, and it's not like he's, he's wonder go where he's kind of half-shocked, half-amazed at himself. He, he runs away, and he's as cold as ice because, you know, he's probably been doing it in training. It, it, it was a fantastic goal. It was super satisfying to see a Rangers team play football like that at such a high level against such a good team. I've got to say, at that point in time, I thought it was against the run of play, and we were effectively playing on the break and our kind of main tactic at that point was getting the ball fairly long and hoping that um, Rufa Morelis could hold it up long enough to get a break on. 
So it was textbook break. Um, and at 2 nothing, I've quoted Matt. I thought to myself, I think this is, I think we're okay now because like Galatasaray, I thought we always needed to get a second goal because at some point they had the, the, the kind of quality that you would expect from at least get fashion one very decent chance. So at 2 nothing, and at that point in the game, what time is it scored that count? About 20 minutes to go or something like that? Yeah, it's it's about 67, 68, something Aye, right. So uh, it was around about that time that we'd been fairly comfortable. I mean, McGregor's no, it's not as if he was tipping them around the bar and keeping us in the game. We were were controlling defensively where they were going to shoot from, but by the same token, you could see the quality that they could could open you up at any point. So at 2 nothing, I'm like that. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I was really, really pleased, and uh, I'll go to be honest. I'm, I'm thinking about a victory, and and, and it's in the bag. Yeah, and um, I, I mentioned them before, and I do want to come back to this as well. But uh, again, like you say, the, the the Ryan Kent for me been able to try and fit within a team that he's just constantly looking to be able to try and press. His work rate has been absolutely tremendous. But I think something that from that build-up, from that goal, prior to how great the finish was and stuff as well, was two things. First of all, you're, you're getting a familiarity because Kent, literally, I mean, if, if you get a chance to watch it again, Andy, he just simply just hits it with his left foot because he knows exactly where Borna is. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows where they are, what they're supposed to be doing. It's very, very cohesive. And then even when Borna has it, Kamara starts to, 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 to make a diagonal run and he's going on the left-hand side. And when Roof received it, actually, Ryan Kent was was very close to them. It wasn't immediately clear as to who it was that was supposed to receive that ball. Ultimately, obviously, fell to Roof. So there's very much a kind of unity there with that. I think you're right. What we found was probably at that stage was we were maybe, even as a unit, we were maybe dropping five yards further back, a little bit yeah. further back, because we knew the Benfica were starting to press. And it probably, it, it wouldn't have been, you know, maybe too difficult to imagine a scenario where, um, Benfica, you know, the players are obviously told at halftime, look, with the amount of energy and pressing that they are doing, they cannot maintain it. So, continue building up your chances, but when you yep. get to the last quarter, this is when you come. And Benfica did that to us in the first leg, right? Um, but as it turns out, and this is this is something I want to kind of have a wee chat with you about as well, because by this stage now, when, uh, when Ruth had scored that goal, Benfica have already made a couple of substitutions, and then a couple of minutes after that Ruth goal, uh, Ramos comes on. Now, this is relevant because um, just shy of 13 minutes uh, we were making it too easy for ourselves and we thought listen let's entertain this up a bit um, a little bit of you know a good old fashioned stramash we simply just didn't clear our lines well enough there was um, a lot of tired legs out there by this point because we're about 15 minutes away from the end of the game uh, Benfica are pressing continuously the ball is is. I want to be able to try and say it's kind of fired in, but there wasn't really too much of a kind of clear opportunity in terms of what happens. There's a little bit of pinball in the box. Matthias has moved back across when he comes from a, a, a block shot from Connor Goldson. He's in in the right space and, and he kind of scuffs it a little bit. It's like as if it's under his feet and he can't really just get it away. McGregor makes a great save, but Tav, who's standing a couple of yards out from the line, comes off of him. There's literally nothing he can do, but he's got no time to react. Um, 2 1 to Benfica. There's a part to this, Andy, where I think, you know, as we mentioned there, maybe our energy levels will start to drop a little bit. They were given a little bit of resurgence by, by this stage now, three uh, replacements in the park. Um, it started to pay off for them. It would pay off for them even more a few minutes later. Uh, but I got her to lose. But I think you were right in what you said earlier on. 
we were going to struggle to keep a clean sheet against a, a, a team of this uh, this this calibre. Yeah, I, I think the thing to note about Benfica is that we know they're a good team, we know they get quality, but also they appear to me, and I may be wrong, so I've only really seen them against Rangers, haven't I? They appear to me of a, a degree of intelligence and in that they don't get to the edge of box and, and pepper with, 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 with shots for long distance. They're very patient and that they would try to fashion their chances in the box, which I'm sure Stato's Adam or something like that will tell you greatly increases the likelihood of them actually finishing it. So you might not get that many chances in the box, but where they get them are in places that will hurt you. And it, it was a fact that it was in the danger area and chaos ensued. So I wouldn't be, I'm not going to be overly critical of the defence there because I think it was just one of the things where ball, as you say, are ricocheting and uh, anything can happen when that happens. Um, and then you get the deflection in after having years. So I will admit at that point, I thought to myself, oh, right, here we go. This is going to be a big problem because it was still too long on the clock for me. And just the way the, way the game was going and the juicy, they'd brought in some fresh legs. They were moving it around very fast around the outside of our box from side to side. The boy Silva was, didn't seem like he was going to slow down any. And he was central in most of the things they were doing. So I thought we've got a problem here. Um, I didn't think we were going to get beat, but I thought there was a distinct possibility that we were going to lose another goal um, because just because of the, the pattern of play that was happening. We were, I would say we looked leggy, right? But by comparison to them and the way they were playing, um, we weren't exactly sprightly. So it's very much shooting other foot, isn't it? It's much like when we play the likes of Livingston or someone like who are encamped in their box and getting deeper and deeper and deeper as the game goes on and we're probing and we've got loads of the ball. It was the kind of opposite of that because we were on the other side of it there. So, um, aye, alarm bells were ringing at that point, Cammy. I thought I thought it was a it was a goal that can happen, if I can put it that way. I don't think you'd analyse that and say, right, we shouldn't have lost that goal. It was a poor goal to lose. I don't think it's just one of the things that can happen when you're playing a team who are so mobile and uh, concentrated running about the box as Benfica. No, absolutely, absolutely, and, and and interesting in terms of the next couple of minutes would certainly prove um, prove even more interesting. Um, Rangers had the next best chance, Andy. This was literally a couple of minutes after uh, the the Benfica goal, where uh, Stephen Davis, who I thought again last night was absolutely superb and 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 you know ran his legs off last night. Uh, found Alfredo Morelos uh, on the right hand side, just coming into the corner of the eighteen yard box. Alfie cuts in in the. On the, on the left, smashes a, a lovely uh, left peg shot, which uh, Leto saves, but saves onto his own crossbar. And um, Kamal Roof is trying to come in um, slightly too fast because the bar then just t- the bounce off the bar takes it away from him. We couldn't create anything out the back of that opportunity. Uh, really, really unlucky. However, before you even get time to be able to try and catch a breath, Benfica now have come forward. They're swamping our box. Um, and the, the guy who you know was certainly able to do a bit of damage uh, last week in terms of, or sorry, uh, the, the substitute in Lisbon, uh, PZ came into the box. It was, it was some lovely one-touch passing to be able to try and create the space, and he hits it high just under McGregor's crossbar. We're now at two-two again. It's um, frustrating, uh, and I think that you know we talk about the Benfica quality. But they just opened us up within the defence at that point as well with some lovely one-touch play that creates the opportunity for them. Um, 
PZ, I think, has now got four goals in four matches. He, he's, he's, he's able to, to score. He had not long come on to the park at that stage as well. Um, he had been able to come on just about uh, 70 minutes. So, sorry, I beg your pardon. He'd been on for half an hour at that stage. But this is what you can't do. You can't switch off. You can't look like as if you can have a drop in concentration. Benfica were able to open that up. They were able to hurt us. And, um, yeah, we're now at 2-2. Two two and I think that what people were fearing now came true and is that a case of actually we just now need to hold out for the draw Yeah, Morelis' chance was was kind of out of the blue and it was very unlucky because Morelis had a good game right? I quite like him in this new kind of modified role if you like where he's no kind of clashing with the opposition centre half he actually drops a wee bit deeper, he goes wide he gets more ball he's facing the goal so um I think, though, the one thing that I've been looking more from him is exactly what that uh, passage of play showed us, which he's actually quite good at facing up to full-backs, taking them on, getting a year of space either side and having a wee smash. And uh, I like that for Morelos. I like strikers that shoot, um, particularly with the, the kind of vicious dip that he gets on his shots. It causes goalkeepers all sorts of problems. And I think that probably, and I may be kind of wishing away here, but if we had a wee bit more legs in us, there might have been more bodies in the box for that rebound off the off the crossbar, if you like, because it, as you see, it bounced off the crossbar. Roof was right underneath it, so it, it was too far back for him. And there was nobody else really there pressing on that, that uh, attack. So very unlucky. But again, I think if we'd scored that, I'd have been kind of thanking my lucky stars because I don't think it was particularly... Uh, I, I would have been against a run of play, as I say. Um and then uh, fine margins, two minutes later, they score. And, and that goal that they scored, uh, no, often I'll say a great goal against Rangers, but I think it kind of epitomised the kind of thing they've been threatening today all night. And we'd scuppered them by getting a wee touch on, a, a wee foot in or whatever, outside the box or, or making a block at the right time. I thought it was really tight and intricate football and a fantastic finish. Because if you look at it, it, it didn't get much of a backlift on it. It was kind of underneath them. I thought it was a really top finish in the top corner. So, uh, 10 minutes to go. At this point, I am now worried. I'm thinking, right, this is a tidal, a tide that's not going to stop. And their tails are up. And we look tired. They'd made, they'd made four of their, three of their four substitutions by that point. So they'll, they'd made legs in the team. And I was questioning the fact that we hadn't made a change just purely and simply for the, the legs aspect. But, you know, legs are legs and ability and, and the tactical noose and, and mentality probably trump all, all of that. So I could kind of see why Gerard had done it. But I, I, I'll make I thought. Going to be able to hang on for a two uh, two each year. Well, we did, and um, it, it's one of those things, Andy, that I think that you know y- y- you swap those situations around, and we're sitting here absolutely buzzing about the fact that we've come from two 0 down to be able to try and get there. And I think what I'm interested about, and I really do want to get your opinion on this because it's someone's opinion who I really respect in terms of your time following Rangers. You're a very sensible guy. Um, there's probably been a bit of a mixed bag that you've seen in terms of where people were at from a, a, a little bit of a kind of emotional outpouring yesterday because the scenario we were in is that we've given away a two-goal lead again against the same opponent in almost you know the same kind of fashion. So you can understand and forgive people for getting a little bit annoyed about uh, you know pointing fingers at our own mistakes. So 
I'll do a little bit of a kind of, you know, the angel and the devil sitting on your shoulder. So the, the, the critical points for me last night, I felt personally, were maybe from a game management perspective, we were struggling for subs because I don't think we had very many recognised midfielders that we could have out in the bench that could have went in there. There is arguments to be made that, yes, we could have potentially put Balogun into sweeper, we could have brought Brandon Barker on, we could have rotated it round to some degree to be able to try and make it more acceptable for ourselves. That would have been difficult. And Benfica, however, can turn round and say to you that they've brought on substitutes and had a direct impact on the game. The angel side of me then says, yeah, that's fine, but then they're also spending £100 million yeah. in transfer windows. They've got Brazilian internationalists in the team. They've got quality throughout. We've kind of discussed all those points already. So there's an element to that where you've kind of got to say, you know, how, how, do you, how do you work it? Because, you know, you could have then turned around and said, well, if we brought subs on and then lost two goals, the subs are the fault. So how do you win? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so without getting too deep and philosophical and soul-searching, <laughs> I think the answer to this lies in something far bigger than just that game. I think it lies in how we see ourselves. And we are obviously Rangers. We uh, It's a name that, that is, is known globally. Um, we, we are kind of getting to grips with where we are in the world of football compared to even... 30 years ago when we would have thought ourselves as the biggest club in Britain by all measures and a major player in Europe. And we, we, we need to make sure that, and I think the Rangers support are actually very, very mature nowadays. I don't think that we have delusions of grandeur because um, you look at other clubs, I'm talking, who am I talking about here? I'm talking about clubs like Newcastle, a lot of English clubs that are, are flying way, way above where they really should because they're pumped up on TV money. Um, money is the be-all and end-all now in football. That is the measurement of your size of your club, unfortunately. It's no your support. It's no your um, brand recognition. Unfortunately, the, the true and closest measure to what happens on the pitch is your money in, right? And we have to be very realistic. And I know I always come back to money and I bore everybody to you. But Benfica are in something like the top 30 most commercial clubs in the world. They make a lot of money, they spend a lot of money, they have specifically spent a lot of money in, in this summer. And despite the fact that they eight players out, the UCA Cami, the Brazilian internationals, the boy plays for Germany there, they get the first choice Swiss striker, all this kind of stuff. Um, and we're nowhere near that in terms of money ball, right? Like, like, that is where we're at. So by any measure, if you were a bystander that had no connection with Rangers or emotional attachment, you would have to say that us getting two two points out of two games in the middle of a Europa League group head-to-head uh, -head is probably a better measure for us than it has Benfica. So I would be arguing that out of the two games, all things being equal, we've come out with more than Benfica should have because they, they would be looking at that game as two wins. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And on paper, they should be as well. Um, so uh, the... As you say, Cam, if we came by for two and two each, then we'd be sitting here in absolute ecstatic. Um, didn't work that way in the game, but the, the, the results the same. It was two each. I think for us at this moment in time, where we're at, two each against Benfica, with them celebrating kind of two games that they've 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 survived with the skin of their teeth, and it was the skin of their teeth. 
I think we have to take massive positives for that. I think we need to be realistic in where we're at, where we've been, how we're progressing. I think if you went, if you go to Portugal and tell folk you're a Rangers fan, I think they're going to know they're heeding admiration at you because I don't think your reputation in Portugal is going to be too bad. Do you know, I agree with that, Cammy, given Braga and Porto in these two games. Well, this is what I thought. You know, up until about the last 10 minutes in Lisbon, I thought at this rate we were going to own Portuguese football. Yeah. Yep. Um, Listen, you're absolutely right. Of course you are. And and that's the, the, the alternate side, right? So I think that what you have to do is you have to look at massive positives. I think, I think and please forgive me if I'm wrong in saying this, but I'm sure I'm right in saying that of the 14 group stage games, we've, we've scored in 13 of them. Um, I think, you know, and again, it's all contextual, but then when you look at how that group was drawn, we said at the time, Andy, we're a European team. These teams will not want to come and, and, and play us. They will not want to play against us in their own patch as well, but they won't want to come to Glasgow. Um, I think, you know, last night that, that Kamar Roof goal goes in. You're talking about Joe Aribo's goal. You're talking about Shea Ojo's goal. The roof comes off at Ibrox. And whether or not that potentially could have helped give the players a little bit of extra energy, you don't know, right? It's ifs and buts and all the rest of it. What you can absolutely say without any equivocation is that we are a European team who can play some magnificent football, absolutely brilliant football. We're not talking about, you know, workhorses that are out there who are water carriers that can play with the football. We absolutely can. We've got some incredible um, skill running through the course of our team. Um, I think the, the manager has to take tremendous credit for the fact that he's basically instilled that European um, reputation from the ground up. Um, the players have done tremendously well, but what you're seeing now, and the point I was alluding to earlier on when I was talking about you know, the position, Ryan Kent finding Borna Barisic, people knowing where they are, etc., is that you're talking about a well-coached, well-drilled team, and that is thanks to the manager and his staff. So, on reflection now, as I say, you're just disappointed because we're throwing away, you know, two leads against them in a very, very similar fashion. Of course you are. But at the same point as well, I think that the players went out there, they absolutely worked their socks off. They, 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 they had a huge accreditation for themselves. But the point I made in social media last night, Andy, was really around the fact that, you know, Europe, for me, I always think is a little bit of a, you know, it's it's the cherry on top of the Sunday, right? So we're, we're, we're glad to be there financially. It has huge rewards, of course it does. But the focus is for everybody, the league. So if you're going to drop points in anything, do it in Europe when you're already sitting almost top of the table anyway, where you can afford to drop the points. But the players, for me, Andy, as well as you're saying about, you know, the Portuguese fans knowing who we are and all that kind of stuff, the lessons for the players, in my opinion, from what we've seen over the two legs against Benfica is you deserve to win it. You should have won it. However, this is what happens when you drop points. So that's why it's a good lesson for you to make sure that you don't switch off, that you don't have that lack in concentration because imagine how this would feel if you dropped it in the league domestically. That's the big takeaway. We are a proper team now, Cammy. And I know we've kind of shot my boat and things going by and said similar when I thought we were a proper team. But we are, we are a proper team now. And the only difference, uh, or, or I should say the kind of glass ceiling that we've got now is financial. Because football-wise, coaching-wise, we are, at this moment in time, and things can change, we are maximising everything we've got financially and football-wise. And you can see that those wee, those wee inches that everybody speaks about that make the difference, whether it's that we stored it was in a... The athletic during the week about the AI for, for minimising injuries or whether it's our training programme or whether it's the, the diet, whatever it is we're doing, 
we're maximising and squeezing out as much as we can performance-wise. This is what we've craved. I mean, Cammy, we're of a certain age. I'm a wee bit older than you, as you know, as you keep telling me, but you go back to Walter and <laughs> Europe, Walter and Europe during nine in a row, and there was a, a kind of the, the first stages of of um, your top European teams differentiating themselves for the norm. We've seen Juventus doing specialist training and, and really out the box thinking in terms of conditioning stuff like that. And we jump forward to now, maybe thirty years later, and it's it's kind of par for the course. So it means that the margins are even finer because if everybody's doing it, it's the ones that are doing it the best they get the edge. And, and I think we are seeing that. We're certainly seeing it domestically, no question about it. But also in Europe, we are holding our own. And again, it comes back to where do we see ourselves? I think at this moment in time, and I think realistically, we are a strong Europa League group team with a reputation which any club of that of that level would not be able to become at Ibrox. I think if we go to Champions League, we'll compete well against our kind of peers but I think we would still probably get our ass felt against the likes of Paris Saint-Germain or Barcelona or, or the, the, the super teams, the super clubs, as you like, because the golf is just uh, so huge. I think Benfica fit in somewhere between where we are and where they are. So I think that's a good measure where we're at. I think we are slightly punching above our weight at this moment in time. The fact that we could have qualified last night after four games tells a story, right? And I think the fact that we've got two games left against Light Poison and Stanley Liège, and I think, am I right in saying a point will probably see us through against either? Yep. Am I right? So, you know, if you'd said at the start of the season, your league, your domestic form is going to look less, and by the way, you go into your fifth game in the, champ, uh, the Europa League group stages and you need a point to qualify, you'd be like, what? Fucking game it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... Let's no get picky and start saying, oh, Christ, if we're going to get a two-goal league against Benfica, let's, let's be realistic and pat ourselves in the back. I thought Gerard's assessment after the game last night was utterly spot on, as was his tone, demeanour, and the kind of unspoken message he passed out to, to us as the fans sitting watching it in the, in, the, in the living room, but also for his team. I thought he was absolutely spot on in what he was saying. I'm not going to re- repeat it kind of verbatim, but go and watch his BT interview because um, he was relaxed, he was not, not grateful, but he, he kind of got where we're at, and I think he knows exactly how we're performing, and, and I, I, I echoed it completely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And someone else who was spot on, and um, please, if you listen to this, and, and it was you that did it, then I, please forgive me for not being able to quote you, credit you directly, because I forget who it was that wrote it, but someone, Andy, last night on social media, Sharing it, you can see where your team's developed when your bogey team has moved to Benfica from Kilmarnock. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's funny because it's ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, absolutely. And, and one other wee kind of perspective I put on it is that we all know we went through tremendous pain since 2012, and everybody and their grannies had a kick at us. See all these teams that had a kick at us? They fucking dream of doing what we're doing just now in Europe and having the recognition. And and that's why it sticks in the throat of people who, well, BBC Sports, for example, I, I made a point of listening, the, the, uh, listening again this morning for last night, the, just to kind of feel some of the Celtic pain, but I hardly mentioned Rangers. I know the game is going on as they recorded it because their game is early, but, you know, it, it must really stick in these fuckers' throat that we are where we are now and that we're, we're, um, we don't look as if we're going to slip backwards in terms of progress. So... That that's where we that's why we should all be sitting here pretty happy, pretty content, 
and uh, very, very optimistic. Yeah, and um, when your midfield costs the same as one week's wages for Shane Duffy, I think you've got a fair play to be able to try and do that. You well, could, you couldn't you couldn't go a podcast with shoehorning him in, could you? No, no, I cannot, cannot. So, thank you, thank you for everything you do, Shane. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, well, listen, uh, moving away from Europe, Andy, we've uh, we've got domestic matters to take care of, and that comes in the form of uh, uh, awful. Five o'clock kickoff on Sunday um, against Falkirk in the League Cup. Um, we uh, we had the press conference um, earlier on this morning, and Gary McAllister and Jermaine Defoe were involved in that. Um, there was a lot of conversation around um, the the focus on the game, the fact that we are not taking it for granted, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, we uh, will rotate the squad, which I think when you started to look at the work rate. And the boys emptying the tank last night. I think they've been told by the manager, look, a lot of you probably won't play on Sunday, so don't worry about that. Go out there, give it everything, so you've got more time to recover and take the weekend off. Um, Jermaine Defoe also made a point around, you know, he's obviously not involved with the European squads, but he will be looking to be able to take his opportunities uh, should he be selected on Sunday. Um, the League Cup is massive to us, Andy, and I think that, you know, we always refer to it as the Rangers Cup. We should have won it last December, but it not for some very, very conspicuous refereeing decisions. But we put that behind us. We move on. Um, and as I say, we're, we're through to Falkirk on uh, late Sunday afternoon. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the way how the squad's playing, the way how we're talking about mentality, the way how we're talking about how we set ourselves up and those players being able to come in and get an opportunity, um, I'd like to believe that this is a formality. We get over there, we get the job done, uh, and then we come back up the road having qualified for the next stages. That would be that lovely. I, th- I think uh, uh, I think the, the, the team, the first 11 will start, will be quite different. I think you'll, you'll still see a kind of core. It's interesting to see, well, I think Davin will be playing, I think Goldstone will be playing. Those, those are the two kind of uh, benchmarks that if they're not playing, you know that they're really taking the, 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 the squad rotation to an extreme. But Falkirk are a club that have failing hard times and are getting a wee bit of a taste of how bad things can be <laughs> because uh, I recall it seemed to be uh, we were never away from Falkirk playing at Agron and uh, I think they saw ourselves as a wee bit of uh, our rivals if you remember the Warburton versus Peter Houston season oh, yeah. and uh, I, I lost a lot of respect for Falkirk at that time because I thought they were quite a well-run club but they were just kind of their fans were kind of poisonous towards us which is I shouldn't have been surprised should I but the, there was no kind of quarter given at all and they find themselves in a position now where they're, they're a big club in a, a, a small pond as a field in the league. I think this will be a, a good test of the squad players we've got. So I'm looking at Bassey, I'm looking at uh, who else will come in, maybe Barker will come in, because it's on that stupid pitch. They've got a couple <laughs> of players that have been in the houses and have played at a decent level. So I, I kind of see as slipping up. It was the, the biggest shock for a long, long time, but still going to be negotiated. So um, I look for five o'clock. Can, I'll be asleep on the couch, but then I'll need, I'll need to change my Sunday dinner. Right? I'll need to keep something. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we reckon, that, I mean, uh, Gary McAllister was saying in the press that we reckon that, that Zungu should be fit to play. Ryan yeah. Jack will continue to miss out. Aribo will, will, uh, will not be able to play in it. So yeah, there'll be some I think, you know, uh, some changes uh, to the midfield. I think you're right. I, I think, obviously, George Edmondson 
and Jordan Jones are both suspended for this anyway. I don't believe that they they would have necessarily have been omitted. It could have been the case that if we could have given Goldson a, a rest, Edmondson might have come into it with Goldson in the bench. But you know what that's like, Andy. Do you know what I mean? You put in a relatively straightforward team, but a strong bench just in case, you know, you've got the uh, the opportunity to bring some um, some big guns in there. But I think you're right. I think we'll see Brandon Barker. I think we'll see Cedric Hitton. Um, you know, hopefully give the opportunity to get some of the players a bit of a rest. But I think the thing for me that really rings out from, from today's press conference and also what you're seeing on the park as well is that everybody's got that mentality. Everyone's got it. And you look at guys like Scott Arfield, then, you know, these are guys who... We're on the we're on the peripheral edges, have been given an opportunity because of one reason or another, and now Scott Arfield, who I think, like you say, is 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 probably the best example I can think of of someone who's been able to come in and retain that position because he's absolutely earned it, and he's a shining example to other guys to be able to say, look, go and challenge, because if these places are you know up for grabs and take it for there, and there isn't a single player, not a single player in my mind, Andy, who if you were to take him out of that team right now we then don't have a suitable replacement and we don't start wetting our knickers because so-and-so is missing. We're very comfortable with some of the replacements and some of the alternate options that we have. And that is what we said before. It's good coaching. It's good um, squad management. It's good attrition. You know what I mean? It's all of these things. We've retained players. We've brought skill in. And now we've, we've got into that point where, you know, I'm not concerned whatsoever about Sunday and I'm, I'm confident that, if we can get the game done even by half time, let's just make it as, as straightforward as we possibly can. Aye. The one good that you missed there was recruitment. Your recruitment yeah. is uh, as tight as a drum just now. Uh, and that's easier said than done. So, um, aye, we, we've got a good squad just now. I'm interested to see if the young, any youngsters, I'm, I'm talking about Burjonis. He's not really a youngster now, but we still class him a youngster because he's never really broke through. But I'm be interested to see if he gets a wee cameo or if the likes of Greg Stewart gets a run out because he's he's well down the pecking order at this moment in time. I think you'll see a core of the team. I think you'll see McLaughlin goals. I think you'll see Tavernier goals and still play. Um, uh, and I think you'll probably see one of Arfield Davis or Kamara playing as well. Uh, so uh, we'll still have a very strong team, but I think you might see some legs, some minutes for for people we might have kind of forgotten about a wee bit. But let's do it. I think so, and I think you know, you're right. I mean, I don't know, do you give Tav a bit of a rest and bring in Nathan Patterson? Um, but he, again, like he's, he's, he's isolating. Um, and, and that's the kick in the teeth, because again, like I said, that would have been a great option for him. But, you know, Tav, I mean, we say that, but also I don't think Tav wants a rest. I, I think he just wants to keep going. Um, so, yeah, a real gutter for Patterson that he wouldn't even have been able to get some game time into it because this is this is timed itself very well for him. Listen, that'll do us uh, for uh, extra for this week. Um, and just to say a, a very big thank you to the executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee, Mr. Paul Miles. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to Andy and myself and you want to hear more of, of Andy in particular, since he's now on the, the pod almost every single day, um, <laughs> you can um, jump onto our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. You'll get up to three or four shows a day all about Rangers. Um, and the games are coming thick and fast, as you know. Um, so if you'd like to be able to come across and join a community of over 5,000 people, then please uh, go over and check us out. Andy, thank you for coming on. In all seriousness, it's it's great to have you more involved in it because you're brilliant at what you do, and it's always great to be able to talk to you. You suki bastards. I'm, I know, I'm, well, listen, do you know what I mean? I, I'm not like, you know, David Edgar and these other guys as well who just take you for granted. I appreciate you. <laughs> and I appreciate you, Cammy. 
Uh, if you do, then you'll be able to tell me what you think your score prediction will be on Sunday. Uh, I'll go for 3 nothing Rangers. 3 nothing. Well, ironically, Ian Hogg did say that he thinks that it'll be 3 nothing and it'll be a Brandon Barker hat-trick. I take it you <laughs> agree with Hoggy, do you? Oh, when they go that far. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> right, well, 3 nil sounds good to me. Let's take that to now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. David will be back with the flagship on uh, Monday, but have a great weekend. Uh, let's get the result we need uh, at Falkirk and then through to the next round of the League Cup. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.